the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you have a preacher in your church that does not believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, you need to fire him. You say, well, I can't fire him. Well, then you need to get out of that church. You say, well, I can't get out because Grandpa's buried out in back. Well, you need to dig Grandpa up and go bury him somewhere else. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment. But first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 2. God was the one. It wasn't anybody else who put it in my heart to be a preacher. As a boy growing up in a preacher's home, my father never once ever said to me, son, you would, be, you would make a very good preacher. Dad never said that to me. He never said, son, you ought to go to Bible college, following your dad's footsteps. Never said that to me. Many of you know I was in the ninth grade. You know, I was 14, 15 years of age. It was a Sunday night. I was sitting in the back. Dad was preaching. I wasn't listening. I don't know the text. I don't know the sermon. I, I didn't hear one word of my dad's sermon. I wasn't paying attention. During the invitation where we stand to sing, it was at that moment, the Holy Spirit of God came over me. And I knew at that moment that God was calling me into the ministry, and I actually stepped forward. And that was back in the days... Uh, where you step forward, the preacher uh, had you stand and he told the whole church why you were coming. Like this is so-and-so, they've come to be baptized. And he would take the confession of faith right there or they've come to join the church. Everybody say hello to Steve and, and Wilma. So I'm coming forward. Dad looks at me and he goes, why, are you, why did you come forward, son? I said, Dad, I've got a call to be a preacher. I'm going to be a preacher. He looked at me. It was like, I, son, I, I hope your church listens better than you listen. <laughs> but from that moment, from that moment in ninth grade till today, 
I've been diligent to that call of God upon my life. My first point I want you to know is that I have the greatest job in the whole world. I do. The greatest job in the whole world is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no other job like it. You know, your doctor, you have a doctor, that's a pretty important job. Your doctor's job is to keep you alive for a few years. My job is to get you on the right path, introduce you to Jesus Christ, where you can live for all of eternity. Now, the doctor's job is important. I'm just saying my job is the most important. Now, the Bible is full. You don't know this, but it's full of stories. You've just never read them of where God called certain people into ministry. I want to read to you one of those. I could read you Daniel or uh, Isaiah's or Haggai or the 12 disciples. Uh, I could read Jeremiah's. But I, I just want to read one of the many stories in the Bible of where God called someone into ministry. This is Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. It says, He, which is God, said to me, which is Ezekiel, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. Verse 2, as he, God, spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him, God, speaking to me, Ezekiel. Verse 3, he, God, said, Son of man, I am sending you to the who? to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation. Whenever God raises up a preacher, he's usually raising that preacher up to speak to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day. Now look at verse 4. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and what? In other words, they're probably not going to do what you want them to do. But I want you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And I want you to know that every week I stand up with my Bible in my hand and I say to you, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You see that? Now look at verse 5. This somehow encourages me. Whether they listen or fail to listen. Don't you worry about that. They're, they're just to the core. They're rebellious. But at least they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid. You see, most preachers are afraid to say what they need to say. But he says, don't you be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns. Now, he's not talking about the actual shrub or plant. He's actually calling the people. They're like briars. They're like thorns. They're all around you. And you live, uh, Ezekiel, you're going to live among scorpions, people that are going to try to kill you. But do not be afraid of what they say or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious house. And that's what rebellious people do. You must speak my words to them. My second point is this. Our country needs great preaching. There isn't a problem we have in this country. And Lord knows we've got a lot of problems. The breakdown of the family unit, the redefinition of marriage, the destructive force of pornography, our unsecured borders, our loss of religious freedom, 
the spiraling debt, which is 18 plus trillion dollars in growing, the lack of value and respect for human life in this country, our overcrowded prisons, the liberal professors in our educational institutions, our disobedient children, and just basic immorality. There isn't a problem we have in this country that couldn't be solved with a generation of preachers who would preach God's Word. What this world needs more than anything else is a group of soul-winning, sin-fighting, Christ-honoring, church-building, Bible-preaching preachers. I like what that one old preacher down south said. He got all confused. He was going to say, I was called to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out the devil, but he got his tongue tied and instead he said, God's called me to heal the dead and cast out the sick and raise the devil. (laughs) We need some Ezekiels who've been called of God to preach to a rebellious society. We need some Elijahs who've been with God and who can pray down fire from above. We need some Isaiahs whose lips have been touched with coals from off of heaven's altars. We need some Daniels who'll stand against the king's decrees and will do things unpopular even if they're threatened to be thrown into a den of hungry lions. We need some Hoseas who will preach that no matter how far you've drifted away from God, no matter how severe your sin, that God still longs for you to come home and be where you're supposed to be. We need some Jeremiah's who will weep and cry when they see the condition of the world. We need some Elishas who will serve under the power of the Holy Spirit and who will do miraculous things in the name of our Lord. We need some people like John the Baptist who will proclaim the coming of the Messiah and make themselves less and pointing others to the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. We need some men like John who will give us a glimpse of heaven as seen in his writings in the book of Revelation. We need some men like Paul who will desire to take the gospel to both Jew and Gentile alike. We need preachers who will preach that hell is still hot and that heaven is still uh, real and that sin is still wrong and that the Bible is still the word of God and that Jesus is the only way to salvation. That's all our world needs. But number three, although it's the greatest job and most needed job, it's one of the most discouraging jobs in the whole world. There's not a week goes by that the average preacher doesn't think about quitting. It's usually on a Monday after he reads all the little cards that you guys write, all the things you complain about and don't like about him or the service or his family. Every week you're dealing with people's problems 24 hours a day. You're subject to people's criticisms. People that you dearly love break your heart. And even though there's great joy, and I have great joy in seeing so many lives change for the better, for some reason it's, 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 it's balanced out by all the hurt that you experience when you see so many people who are falling away from God and not honoring God. Every preacher is sick on Sunday afternoon when he stops to think about all the people that weren't in church who should have been in church. No matter how good your sermon is, it's never good enough. There are never enough hours in a day. It's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of wayward sheep. 
That's not just a job, you see, because every single person that I see, I realize that eternity is in the balance. The circle of pastors that I run around with, most of them, you'll never know this, but behind closed doors, they're discouraged. They're discouraged because their churches don't grow the way they think they ought to grow. They're discouraged because they always believe the resources are, are lacking in their personal life and in their church. They struggle with the board. They struggle with the staff. They struggle with disunity and lack of loyalty. I'm talking to a pastor right now. His church is twice the size of this church. They have twice the people that we have, twice the space that we have, twice the influence that we have, and he's so discouraged, he's ready to quit. I've told him many times, brother, don't quit. Just hang in there. Things will get better. But he is ready to walk out that door. The average minister, and I want you to know I'm not average, but the average minister, the average minister lasts out of church for less than two years. That's all he makes it before he gets run out or before he gets so discouraged, he quits and goes to another church. The average length that a man is in ministry before he just quits altogether is about seven or eight years. In other words, he says, a man sits here, he goes, I feel like I'm supposed to be a minister. Okay. He goes to Bible college. He goes for four years. He gets into that first church and they just beat him up and chew him up and spit him out. And so he goes to the second church. He's there for about a year and a half. He goes to a third church. And then by the time he gets about to the fourth church and he gets run out of there, he is so discouraged. He just gives up and goes, does something. He doesn't care what he does. He's just not going to do ministry any longer. That's the average minister. Most of the people that went to Bible college with me are no longer uh, in the ministry whatsoever. It's just a very discouraging job. I want you to know it's time to fire your preacher. I've got this. It's called a chain letter. You know what a chain letter is? It's a chain letter to get rid of your preacher. Here's how it goes. If you don't like your minister, simply add your name to the bottom of this list and send this letter to six other churches. Tie your minister up and send him to the church whose name is listed on the top of this list. In four weeks, you will receive 16,432 ministers, one of which you should like. Please, please do not break this chain letter. One church in Wyoming broke the chain and got their old minister back. <laughs> now, my fourth point is this. And when I say time to fire your preacher, what I mean by that is time to fire him up. It's time to fire him up. If you would fire him up, you wouldn't have to fire him. Now, I want to make something clear. I hope you're listening. If you have a preacher in your church that does not believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, you need to fire him. You say, well, I can't fire him. Well, then you need to get out of that church. You say, well, I can't get out because Grandpa's buried out in back. Well, you need to dig Grandpa up and go bury him somewhere else <laughs> and find you a church that believes that the Word of God is the Word of God. And I want to tell you that if you have in your church a preacher who believes that every word is the inspired Word of God, you need to support him, help him, love him, defend him, honor him. Don't let others criticize. Don't fire him. Fire him up. So, 
I'm going to give you a list of ways to fire your preacher up. And I apologize in any way if this sermon seems self-serving. Don't forget this series is heart to heart. And so what I want to just tell you, if this is bothering you, then you forget about me. You forget about me. I want you to think about all the pastors in the other churches of this city. I want you to think about all the other pastors on this church staff. I want you to think, if you're a visitor here and you don't even go to this church, I want you to think about the pastor of the church that you belong to. I want you to think about all the former pastors of this church. I want you to think about the future pastors of this church who aren't even here yet that one day will be here. And if you want, you can think about me a little. Number one, write this down. You need to pray for your pastor if you want to fire him up. If you have a preacher who preaches the Word of God, I hope you're listening. Every time, not sometimes, every time he gets into the pulpit, you should pray, dear Lord, thank you that in our pulpit is a man who believes in the Word of God, who exalts Christ, who fights sin, who is not politically correct, who loves his family, who cares about the lost, who preaches the truth, who lifts up Jesus Christ, and Lord, would you bless him and protect him and provide for him and honor him and guide him, and Lord, no matter what he's going through, would you be with him? That's the prayer you ought to pray every single time you go to church. I want you to know that it's like a light switch. It's like a switch. I can tell. I can tell when people are praying for me. I just, I don't know, just the Holy Spirit of God, I can just sense when a life group is praying for me, when a family is praying for me, when you are praying for me. That's why I blow you kisses. I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, he said, Brothers, pray for us. At the church at Ephesus in chapter 6, verse 19, he said, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, I may declare the word of God fearlessly. Oh, you ought to pray that prayer every week for your pastor. And in the book of Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, he says, pray for us. He says it again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. He said, finally, brothers, pray for us. He says it again in Hebrews 13, verse 18. He says, pray for us. So the number one thing on my list, if you want to fire up your preacher, pray for him. Number two, write this down. Say amen once in a while. I've seen some of you at the Dodgers game. I see you at the Lakers game and the Clippers game. I see you at the UCLA games. I see you at the USC games. There's not much to cheer about, but I see you there. I see you at your son's soccer game or your girl's softball game, and you have to, you cheer your children on. Oh, good job. Go, 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 go. You come to church and sit. <laughs> you know, amen means, the word amen means so be it. It means I agree. It means we're with you, preacher. It means you're not alone. What you just said, I agree. Amen. So it means thumbs up. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 
17. Genesis, Exodus, chapter 17, verse 8. It says that the, the Amalekites, everybody say Amalekites, the dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy, low-down, good-for-nothing Amalekites, they came and they attacked, they attacked the blessed God's people, the Israelites. Verse 9, Moses, who's getting up there in years, says to Joshua, who's his young mentor, Joshua, you're still young enough to fight. I want you to choose some of our men and go out and fight those dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy, low-down, good-for-nothing Amalekites. And tomorrow, I, I, I know you think I, I'm, I, I can't even get up on that hill, but tomorrow, I'm going to find my way and I'm going to stand on top of that hill. And in my hands, I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold the staff of God. Now, when I'm up here on this platform, and since I'm on a hill, and it takes me a little way to get up because of the stairs, I get up here, I'm not holding a staff. I'm holding something I think even greater than the staff of God. I'm holding the Word of God in my hands. And then he says, and so verse uh, uh, 10, Joshua fought those dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy, low-down, good-for-nothing Amalekites, as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and her, they went up there to the top of the hill, just like they said they would. And verse 11 reads, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. (laughs) But whenever he lowered his hands, why those dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy, low-down, good-for-nothing Amalekites were winning. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And then, oh, Aaron, bless his heart, and her bless his heart. The Bible says they held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Verse 13 reads, so Joshua overcame those dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy, low-down, good-for-nothing Amalekites. I want you to know that when you say amen, in a sense, you're running up here on stage and you're holding up my hand. You're saying, preacher, keep preaching, keep preaching, keep preaching. You're saying, preacher, we're in this thing with you. You're not not here alone. We want to be like Aaron and we want to be her. Did you know that when you say amen that the preacher preaches shorter? Did you know that? That's true. Because if he doesn't hear your amen, he thinks that you didn't get the point, and so he has to repeat the point again. I'll say that to you again. Some of you are really slow today. You see, when you don't say amen, the preacher thinks you didn't get the point, and so he has to repeat it again. So what happens is he ends up preaching twice as long. And if you'd only say, if you'd only say amen, what he thinks, he thinks, oh, they got the point. We'll go on to the next point in the sermon. No, 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 you don't understand. You see, if he hears an amen, he thinks that the people got the point, and so he goes on to the next point of the sermon. 
We hope you enjoyed this edition of Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. As you can tell from his message tonight, Pastor Dudley has a driving passion to talk about Jesus everywhere he goes and with everyone he meets. So often, a person has never heard the life-changing message of the gospel, or perhaps they, at one time, experienced the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ, but now they're discouraged or in need of hope. If that is you, we invite you to reach out to us right now and let us pray with you. Our toll-free number is easy to remember. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We have prayer counselors standing by and ready to take your call. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. You will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith, how to extend Jesus' love to others, and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.